This episode of EM Weekly has been archived. The ideas presented by the former host of EM Weekly may not reflect or represent the values of the Readiness Lab and the Doberman Emergency Management Group. Out of respect for the guests who contributed to this episode, it remains available online. Yeah, it's actually a study that was called the paradox of choice. There we go. And when you give someone more than three choices, they tend to not make a choice. And the rest of the story starts right now. Hey there, EM Weekly community. Thank you so much for listening. Because of you, we have had over 2,500 downloads. We just started this adventure in April, and already we've uh, surpassed what we thought was going to be a slow growth and and, uh, trying to get the word out. And thank you so much for for taking the time out of your day to, to listen to what we have to say here. And, you know, because of you, we have guests that want to come on and, and share their ideas and what they've been doing in emergency management um, around the world. And I think this is really exciting, and thank you so much for being part of it. So uh, let's uh, hear this episode. Hi, this is Todd DeVoe with Ian Weekly, and today we have a special guest with us. Her name is Jennifer, and she is actually starting a business that's home-based business uh, dealing with disaster preparedness and emergency management type stuff, selling uh, disaster kits directly to home and abroad too, for that matter. So Jennifer, welcome to the show. Thanks, Todd. So tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into emergency services, emergency management, volunteerism, this whole wonderful realm of uh, emergency management. Emergency preparedness has always been a passion of mine. I have always been that person that had a trunk full of stuff. I think specifically after 9-11, I started carrying trash bags and the duct tape in my car and people we'd be at a picnic and someone would say oh does anyone have a trash bag and I would I would have it and does anyone have any tape and I'd have it and and like that look that would kind of pass through their you know brain that they're thinking why does she have trash bags and duct tape in her car you know so I've always been that person carrying stuff and about four and a half years ago uh, my husband and I saw a advertisement on the back of the parks and rec for the cert training and this was just was totally in our wheelhouse and so we signed up and we took it and we loved it and when they issued us our pack I was kind of upset because the gloves they gave me were like one size fits none (laughs) and you know which ones I mean right Todd I do yeah yeah thanks a lot I think you gave me that pack (laughs) (laughs) And so I I couldn't do the cribbing exercise because I couldn't bend my fingers in the gloves. And so I was really upset that, one, I wasn't told to bring my own equipment, and, two, the equipment they gave me didn't work. So I went in search of looking for gloves, and I found that the women's, the landscape for women's products was just dismal. And I decided to start my own company. And I also had heard from moms in my neighborhood that they just weren't prepared and that mm. they had they knew they needed to be prepared. They had heard the PSAs. They knew they were supposed to be doing this, but every time they tried, they got overwhelmed. And so I put all of this info together and thought, okay, there's not a lot of women's gear. My friends are going to be in trouble within three days because they have no supplies. What can I do to solve this? And so I started City Girl Prepper. 
to bring emergency gear to women and families. Tell me a little bit about City Girl Prepper and well, we kind of know how you got started, but how did you decide to you know, kind of just go that way? What was the catalyst to really get you going outside of the, the idea that you couldn't find some cool gloves to wear during a training? I wanted the families in my neighborhood to be prepared. I grew up in a family of Eagle Scouts, and so we were always very self-reliant, and I want to help others be self-reliant. And to me, the what CERT, the Community Emergency Response Team, is doing to help you know, individuals be trained is so awesome. And I wanted to take that a step further and put the gear in people's hands. So what I have found, and I think a lot of studies have found, is that people will go to a class or people will read an article, but they don't take that next step. Mm -hmm. And this, what I've done is, I do home parties, and, and what I've done is I've been able to bring the education to the person and the shopping experience all at the same time. And so when they're level of understanding is greater about what they have to do and why they need this water and the food and this tarp or the cable ties, they're more apt to take that step to purchase because it's right in front of them. Their comfort level is higher. That's actually brilliant because like I've noticed that when I've done community events, you know, like the the emergency preparedness fairs and, and things like this where you're handing out the flyers, people are always like, oh yeah, this is great information. Thank you so much for being here. And you hand the flyer. And I always think those flyers are going to end up in the junk drawer in the kitchen, you know, like, well, and, like that. or someone's file. When I, after I took certain class and decided that I wanted to start this business, I pulled out a file out of my file cabinet and I didn't realize how much I had been collecting for so long. I had a, a probably an inch thick of <laughs> those things that I had picked up all along the way. And actually what I did is I spread them all out and looked at all of the lists and came up what I considered to be kind of my secret sauce of what should go in the backpack based on what I've been carrying and all those lists. But, yeah, people love that information, and they want they want to be prepared. They just they fall short. They, they, I, a lot of people have what I call half-packs. Is they can go and buy a backpack very easily. They can go to a local store down the camping aisle and throw in a bunch of stuff, but then they get to certain things and they don't know where to source them, whether mm -hmm. it's food or water or um, just some basics. And, and that's where their pack is and becomes almost useless because it's just not finished and it ends up in a corner somewhere or under a bed and, and dusty and it's not doing anybody any good there. You and I were in California and, and the weather here is always great for the most part, except for the last couple of weeks here. We always talk about the big earthquake, and that comes every, what, you know, 30, 30 60, 80 years or whatever. We haven't had one mm -hmm. in, a, in, a, in a bit. I think sometimes people get complacent, so I, I really do under, understand that sometimes it's a, it's a good idea when they go to these things, and then it becomes like a uh, abstract for them. Yeah. So I, people, I, are not, people are not motivated by fear as right. people think they are. There's a lot of studies on fear, and, and does it actually – make people do things and it does in the immediate moment but not any long term and talking about like preparedness and kind of nationwide the numbers are really it's kind of troubling that depending on where you check your numbers you've got anywhere from 85 percent to 70 
percent of America is not prepared. And well, that's I believe, just not Californians. I, I, I believe that's place. low. That's, that's probably a low yeah. number, I think. Yeah. So what I have found, too, in just in, like, the emergency world is that if you look at the products in the marketplace, they all look the same. Right. But if you take another look and you look at consumer behavior, um, seven more than 70% of all consumer buying decisions are influenced by women. Mm-hmm. And so what I believe is that the emergency preparedness people are talking to the wrong people and they're talking to us, the, us meaning women, the wrong way is what's happening. And I think that there's got to be a way to move the needle if they actually looked at who their target market was. That's a lot of truth right there. I agree with you there because I know that when you start talking about preparedness, the answers are always kind of odd. They're like, oh, yeah, yeah. Are you prepared for at least 72 hours? Oh, yeah, I'm prepared for 72 hours. Well, what do you have? Oh, I have some beans and some water in the garage. Okay, you're not, you're mm-hmm. not ready for 72 hours. <laughs> you know, you got some, <laughs> you know, it's like, right. oh, okay, great. You know, you won't be thirsty maybe for a day, you know, but you're going to get thirsty. So, so yeah, I mean, and we see this time and time again across the country, you know, and Katrina showed it, Superstorm Sandy oh. showed it, you know, um, yeah. you see these, I mean, I think about Superstorm Sandy. I remember sitting there watching a show with my, uh, news with my wife, and you see people eating out of the dumpster in New York City. You know, so it shows that people yeah. just aren't, aren't ready to go. I would say that... It's terrifying. It's terrifying oh, yeah. to me because we've seen it firsthand. We've seen, like you said, these these examples of what is going to happen in other parts of the country with other things. It's, it's not like it, someone is making up some apocalyptic story right. that, like you're saying, oh, it's going to get so bad that people are going to eat out of the trash. It's like, well, that's not just a fairy tale. Like, that was a reality for those people. And yet, you know, 70 to 85% of America still chooses not to take the step. And that's a mystery to me. So, you know, as an entrepreneur and a business owner, I'm always trying to figure out, like, how do we get people to realize that that's a reality? That's not just you know, on The Walking Dead or something, or, you know, on some show. <laughs> right. Let's take The Walking Dead, for instance. You know, I outside of the zombies, which realistically is, you know, you could add whatever disaster you want to add into that show and, and, mm-hmm. and, and make it what it is. That's actually a really good example on, on, on like, how to be be ready for any disaster. You know, and I, I actually did not start watching The Walking Dead until a friend of mine was like, look at it and look at it from the emergency management and preparedness angle. And so I watched yeah. season one, and I watched season one, and I went, holy smoke, he's completely right. This is like a really kind mm-hmm. of a cool show. Take the zombies out. You know, take the zombies out of it, and just they're, they're just the catalyst or, or whatever. They're the muse, if you will, for the for the thing. And it's like, yeah, it's a bunch of people that are trying to figure out how to, how to survive after, yeah, after a major event, whether it be a hurricane, earthquake, tornado, whatever. You know, so, yeah, I think that's, that's right. kind of a, a good example. How can your company be an asset for emergency managers, and this is what this podcast obviously is, is focusing mm-hmm. on, how can you be an asset for emergency managers uh, you know, around the globe? And the answer to that question and more when we return from this quick break.
least one person that's been shot. Somebody is still shooting inside. 453, I have a party shot here at the rescue hot. Are you ready for the unthinkable? Call our friends at High Speed Tac Med. They provide custom emergency planning and training that saves lives. With years of experience in law enforcement, search and rescue, responding to and managing large-scale incidents, HSTM will evaluate and prepare written plans, training sessions, drills, and debriefs, leaving you with the necessary tools and experience that can save lives. Call HSTM today to discuss your specific needs, and the staff of High Speed Tac Med will help ensure that you're ready and are in complete compliance. Call High Speed Tac Med today. Day, 805-419-0024. Again, that's 805-419-0024. The friendly staff at HSTM is standing by. Emergencies happen. Whether they're related to medical emergencies, threats of physical violence, weather related, or other. One of the most difficult things during an emergency is to find help and quickly and efficiently communicate with all parties, regardless of whether you're an administrator, law enforcement, or the end user. With Titan HST, we help distort time by creating high-tech yet simple-to-use mobile-based applications that connect you with the people who can help you. At Titan HST, we believe in the power of people. If you're trying to reach people in the emergency management and response space, EM Weekly is a place for you to advertise. Each week, we are bringing in guests from around the world to talk about best practices and trends in emergency management and response. We also have the blog on EM Weekly's website and the EM Quarterly e-magazine. For more information, please email Brian at brian at emweekly.com. And the rest of the story starts right now. How can you be an asset for emergency managers uh, you know, around the globe? I think one of the things that City Girl Prepper brings to emergency managers that they haven't seen before is it's personal. The gear I have and the products that I represent are personal products. So I did a large conference um, as an example, and the conference, most all the other vendors there were selling bulk products to the emergency managers. And I was the only one there selling products for the volunteers for the people who really are in the trenches, not just like the administrators per se. And I think that's my the biggest asset that City Girl Prepper brings is that my gloves fit. They they're tools that people can use. There's, you know, window breaks that are lightweight, compact, hands free. It's not going to load you down in your your pack that you've built if you're on call for you know, on a call out. So I think that that's really is reminding the emergency manager, that your volunteers are not all standard issue. You know, right. that there's nothing standard issue about a volunteer. And and it's reminding them that, that they're, they're people and they love the gadgets and they need the tools that fit them, not just something that's going to, you know, maybe not let them bend their fingers or a vest that's so big that it gets caught on something. So that's that's, I think, my biggest asset. That's so true. And I'll tell you from, you know, again, from a personal point of view, is when you're ordering stuff for, for these classes, and I've been there, and, uh, you know, you kind of order like, okay, you don't want to order too many smalls because you get a lot of big people. You don't want to order too many big things because you get a lot of medium people and small people. So you go, okay, we're going to go with large everything. And so it's, you know, and right. it fits you. It fits you and, and you're right. And just hope <laughs> it is. <laughs> right. 
Uh, Take it to a tailor. <laughs> well, and that's that's the thing. And so I know that um, I've been able to kind of amend or you know show up at uh, be invited to certain trainings where I can um, set up a table and people can can add on to their their kits and say, okay, these maybe these one size fit non gloves were were what had to be in there. They were budget conscious. They, you know, served the purpose. But now let's let's fill it with something that makes sense, a, right. a resource and a tool. Because that's what emergency management's all about, right? Is your resources. Right, and, right. And allocating those the right way. We all learn that in our incident command, right? Like how are we going to allocate these resource these limited resources we have? And as a volunteer, your resources are are key to your survival and success in your role. And that's really where I think a lot of my the gear that I have comes in handy is um, you know some of the lights I have are compact and lightweight and they're solar, so you're not worrying about batteries or something clunky or heavy. And it's just those types of considerations. What do you think? is the biggest obstacle for families to be prepared? Wow. I oh, I think there's I think there's two obstacles. Um one, I think people don't want to spend their money on it. I think it costs a family about $600 to get prepared for let's say 3 to 7 days hmm. um in my experience. And um and that's not fancy stuff, that's just your basics. That's but and people look at that, I think families look at that, and they don't always have the budget for it. And But yet, it's not that they don't have the budget, they don't want to allocate the budget, because they don't have a problem, you know, buying season passes to an uh, amusement park. You know, in California, <laughs> we have them all over the place, right? right. But um, Or a vacation, or even a Costco run, right? Like, really, right. what a Costco run, that, no one gets out of Costco for less than a couple hundred bucks. And right. and so I feel like people don't. That's, so I think that's the big, the number one obstacle is it's a perception. People don't want to spend their money on something they think they're going to have to use. Um, the second thing is, is I think people just don't know what they need. They don't know how much water, how much food um, do they need that super duper cranking solar radio or should they go with batteries or, you know, all those things. So education and not wanting to spend it on something they don't think they're going to use. I was reading a study one time, and they're talking about choice. And they're saying, like, okay, you know, you walk into an ice cream shop, for instance. I'll just, I don't know, I don't remember what the study was in particular, but I'll use ice cream for an example. So you walk into an ice cream shop, and you see a scoop of, you know, you could buy a scoop of vanilla, and there's no choices, and you're going, okay, well, I'm going to buy vanilla. That's what I have to buy. And then you got vanilla or chocolate, and you can go, oh, okay, I could choose one or two. And then you got vanilla, chocolate, and strawberry, and you're like, oh, okay, now I can choose between those three. And then, you know, you go into, like, 31 flavors or, or, or more, you know, and it, it becomes sometimes over-daunting or over, overwhelming that you go, I don't know what to choose, and sometimes people just walk out. You know, they just don't choose yeah. because it's, it's an easy yeah, it's choice called the to paradox. Make. Yeah, it's actually a study that was called the paradox of choice. There you go. And when you give someone more than three choices, they tend to not make a choice. If you give them less than three, they often think they don't have a choice. Um, but if you give them more than three, then they don't. And they did studies with, with like, samples of, I think it was, like, jams or jellies or different oh, things. Oh, yeah. And... Um, 
in the book, I think that's what they did. And they did a study where there were like three jams to choose from. And if, well, when they did only two, people weren't, they're like, that's it? You only have two? And when they did three, they saw their sales increase. But when they put out more than three choices, people couldn't make up their mind. Right. That's what it was. You're right. Thank you for that. Yeah. yeah. I, is that what we fall into with this preparedness stuff? I mean, that we give, there's too many choices out there? Uh, yeah, I think that there are a lot of choices for people. And none of them are really appealing. And it, it doesn't look like anything we live with. I think that's it, too. It's not, backpacks don't look like backpacks that we would normally buy. They're red or they're military or they've got mm. Velcro straps all over them. And and that's unless you are in the military or have a military background, that doesn't make sense to you. And even the red backpack, like, I don't think it's what we, again, how we surround ourselves. If you go into home, I'm going to, you know, if you go into like a, a home decorating store or or even like a department store or a big box, you know, down the street, and you go shopping there, nothing looks like that. Nothing looks like preparedness gear. Mm. And I think when people go shopping for preparedness gear, it, it doesn't fit. You know, there's also the... um you know, in marketing, they talk about, like, you know, the perception being everything, right? And and if you have to completely introduce a brand-new segment to consumers, they have a hard time, like, filing it in their brain. But if you can introduce something that looks like something else, then you have a higher chance of kind of being successful because they're like, oh, I get it. That's like that. Right. And I think preparedness gear, nothing looks like it that we live with. You know, and even like um, you and I were talking about like in, earlier about the, the number ten cans of food. Right. You know, people don't. No one eats from cans like that, and at least not in you know urban or metropolitan areas. You know, they're bulky to, to store. They just. It's not how we shop. It's not how we eat. So I think when it comes to preparedness, it's the same way. Um, it's just not something that looks like anything else we do in our society. And like, so you have yeah, to right. process it. Unless you, unless you work like in an industrial kitchen. <laughs> you, you probably haven't come across. And then you need that. You know, I see those. I, I used to, my, my dad owned delis when I grew up, and those big cans of tuna fish or whatever. And he had to have like, like this big industrial uh, can opener that was like bolted to the <laughs> side of the of the side of the, the counter. You pick this big yeah. thing up and slam it in there and crank it up. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah. You just don't think of like grabbing like your handheld can opener and open that number 10 can up with anything. That's funny that you say that. Yeah. Yeah. I just think it, it just doesn't fit in file into our brain. And it's something I've done different too with my packs is all of my packs are black. Um, I've tried to make them just look a little sleeker. Because, again, I don't think anyone should own a red backpack, to tell you the truth. <laughs> I just think there's a whole lot of reasons. But, it, one, like, you don't – if you want to be noticed, there's ways to be noticed, right? <laughs> like, why could you put this big target on your back that said, hey, I have supplies and gear. Like, you know, come find me. Like, it doesn't make sense that that's the preparedness world. I don't understand how these major preparedness companies – are like why to me it means they don't really know about survival and preparedness because when do you ever put something that's orange or black or red on you unless you're like really hunting and you don't want to get shot but <laughs> right. other than that you know lay out your mylar blanket if you need to 
these signals, don't put on a red backpack. Yeah, I just feel like there's, again, like the whole industry, I think, has it so wrong. And, I mean, I'm like, I feel like I'm like that grain of sand going, hey, <laughs> hey, everyone else is doing it wrong. Right. Um, I just think that, and that's why, too, like, who buys red backpacks? It's ugly. Um, <laughs> and that's just not the culture we're in. We want everything to look nice, you know? And that is, you know, my my wife always tells me. She's always telling me it's it's a fashion over function. She's fashion over function. I'm like, nah, See, and I know. like to find the happy medium of of fashion and function. That's what makes me happiest. Is and you know when a lot of the gear that I bring to market is just like it's it's decent looking stuff, and but it's it definitely I like to say it's legit. You know, it is the food and the water that you need or it's, you know, a gadget that's going to help you out of a bind, but it's, you know, maybe comes in the color that you like. So I, I do believe there has to be a, a marriage of the form, you know, and the fashion and the function all together, um, <laughs> which is, is what propels me in the business. It's like, again, the black backpacks are a little sleek, you know, the lightweight, the different color choices of things, the, just so you don't feel like you're stuck, you know, with something that's standard issue. Right. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay, so if someone wanted you to come talk to their team, how can they get a hold of you? So I have a website, and um, it's citygirlprepper.com, and that is because I am a city girl, born and raised you know, in Long Beach area, 25-mile radius, and it's prepper because we got to be prepared. So citygirlprepper.com, and um, you can email me at info at citygirlprepper.com. And I do presentations. Yeah, I love to come out and educate and do presentations. And the the 72-hour backpack is really my my forte. But I speak at schools and women's clubs and Boy Scout and Girl Scout troops. So it's it's a lot of fun for me to get that education out there. Okay, so I'm going to ask you the hardest question of the night. All right. Okay. So this one, this one, it's going to be kind of a trick question. I didn't prep you at all for this, but so what is the number one book that you would give out to somebody? Okay, so I just got a book that's actually put out by FEMA. It's a booklet. So there's a whole lot of books and about preparedness and different survival techniques and everything. But I just found one that FEMA puts out. It's a booklet. It's kind of an odd size. And it's all, like, preparing for a disaster, like what to do before, what to do during, and what to do after. And it's all icons and super simple. And I actually use it in one of the classes I teach. I think it's just very simple and easy to take action from it. That was some good information there. Yeah, Jennifer, I want to thank you so much for your time today. Is there anything else that you'd like to tell anybody before we go? Thank you so much for having me. This was fun, and I'm excited to just be able to reach out to more emergency managers and and volunteers and and help them, you know, have fun in in their role as a volunteer and being prepared and helping others be prepared. So thank you so much. Oh, anytime, anytime. So again, everybody, thank you so much for listening to us today. If you need any more information that we're talking about, there will be stuff in the show notes. And again, feel free to reach out to Jennifer at info at citygirlprepper.com. And her website is www.citygirlprepper.com. Thank you, everybody, for being here. And listening.